One Sunday afternoon, towards the end of September 1991, a heavy-set, 47-year-old man with thick glasses and unruly dark hair took his seat on an Aleutian jet painted in the handsome red-and-white livery of the North Korean state airline Choson Min Hang. The man's name was David Kapsberger, and he was about to fly to North Korea as part of a 20-strong delegation of radical academics and trade unionists. As a haze of dirty smoke obscured the skyline of Beijing visible through his window, Kapsberger removed his spectacles and dabbed his face with the warm towel offered by one of the eerily composed female flight attendants. The long hours of travel from his home in London had left Kapsberger feeling worn out. His clothes had suffered too. His lightweight summer suit was crumpled and bore stains from a coffee he'd spilled on himself in the transit lounge at Sheremetyevo Airport. Across the aisle of the plane, luxuriating in the novelty of an entirely empty row, sat his son, 14-year-old Fidel Olatunji Kapsberger. Fidel had been forced to accompany his father on the trip, which he was fully expecting to find pointless and dull. For the first 40 minutes of the two-hour flight, he buried himself in a book. But as the plane crossed into the airspace of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, Fidel glanced out of the window and found himself bewitched. The mountainous landscape that broke through the clouds beneath him seemed somehow prehistoric and mysterious, like a version of the imaginary world in the fantasy novel that he was reading. After a sudden descent and an abrupt landing that left the tour party shaken, the passengers made their way down the boarding ramp and towards the boxy, Soviet-style terminal. From the roof of this building, an enormous floodlit portrait of the country's great leader, Kim Il-sung, smiled lovingly out across the concrete airstrip, which still radiated warmth after a day of autumn sunshine. Dusk was falling on the low wooded hills that surrounded the airport. The stillness was strangely oppressive. An unsettling silence enveloped the visitors as they shuffled into the arrivals hall, which was austere and cavernous and smelled faintly of detergent. The elder Capsburger was an American citizen who'd emigrated in the 60s to avoid the draft for the Vietnam War. He'd begun a new life in England as a graduate student in the political science department at the London School of Economics. Now he was a full professor and the world's leading English-speaking expert on Juche thought, Kim Il-sung's unique philosophy of Marxist self-reliance. However, the professor's expertise was wholly theoretical. This was his first visit to North Korea, and like all foreign visitors entering the country for the first time, he felt a thrilling combination of fear and curiosity as he handed over his US passport for inspection. The fluorescent lighting inside the glass booth was tinged an unearthly shade of orange. It made the immigration officer look like a waxwork in a vitrine. Only his eyes moved as he lowered and raised them repeatedly 
in order to compare the photograph in the passport with the reality of the rumpled man in front of him. Behind his impassive face, he was calculating whether Capsburger was what the government euphemistically called an impure element. The professor's unruly hair, dirty suit and US citizenship tipped the scales in favour of further investigation. As the officer waved Capsburger through, he pressed a concealed button under his desk, which ensured that the customs men would search the professor's luggage with extraordinary care. The customs men were looking for anything that might confirm the immigration officer's hunch, including, but not limited to, drugs, precious metals, fissile or radioactive material, pornography, Bibles, subversive literature, weapons or bladed articles, and financial instruments of a value above $10,000.